Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Nikki Kinzer. Hello, Nikki. Well, hello, Pete. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. For those checking out uh, the live stream today, uh, members of our Patreon community, yes, it's just like you just saw us yesterday. Uh, and we're back. Right. We're back to do it again. You know, guest schedules being what they are, we got to be flexible. We are nothing if we are not adaptable. And so we adapt. Uh, and today we have one of our favorite people, Dr. Dodge Ray, is back to talk to us about, well, he's going to talk to us about acceptance and he's going to talk to us about ADHD paradoxes and he's going to talk about all kinds of stuff. It's a continuation of the ongoing continuation of conversations with Dodge Ray, whether they happen here or over on his podcast, The Change Paradox. We're through thrilled to have those conversations. Before we dig in, however, head over to TakeControlADHD.com to get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list. And uh, right there on the homepage, we'll send you an email each time a new episode is released. You can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at TakeControlADHD. And if this show has ever touched you or helped you live in a new way with your ADHD, uh, if you found you understand your relationship with ADHD in a new way, please consider checking out our uh, membership program over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. Patreon is listener-supported podcasting. With a few dollars a month, you can help guarantee that we continue to grow the show. You can join us for live stream recordings and uh, chat with the guests after we record. Uh, you can get early access to every episode. They come out a week early for patrons and more on the way. Patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. Thank you so very much. Nikki has announcements. I have announcements. Uh, uh, please, a flourish of horns. <laughs> well, it's interesting because as I was listening to you speak about the same thing that you speak every day that when we start this podcast, yeah. yeah, you would think I would know it by heart, but I don't. <laughs> and I was listening. GPS workshop. Uh, I talked a little bit about it last week. Uh, guided planning sessions. Uh, this is a, a new workshop that I've started. I love it. I, you know, the people are loving it and uh, that is going to be opening up uh, in its next session. It's next six weeks um, fairly soon. So you're going to be seeing uh, more information around that in the newsletter and on social media and all of that. And if you have questions, make sure you let me know because uh, it's a really good program. If you are interested in learning how to plan but really not so much learning 
it's it's about giving yourself time and space to do it and then having somebody like me and other people who are going through the planning with you so you're not alone and uh it's pretty cool so that's very cool all announcements are over now (laughs) all right let's uh let's get back to the business of the business of acceptance Dr. Dodge Ray is an integrative uh, clinical psychologist in Nashville, Tennessee, practices at uh, the Lotus Center, which uh, offers him an office with a, a glorious view. If you're in the live stream, you get to see what Dodge <laughs> gets to look at all day. It's just uh, the city of Nashville is just lovely. Um, and uh, he's back with us uh, yet again uh, to continue a conversation that we uh, have started in the past uh, around the paradox of ADHD. He's the host of the Change Paradox podcast, and uh, he has happily completed a, an entire season mm-hmm. is, is over. Congratulations. Yes. <laughs> really good experience. Hi, Dodge. Hi. How are you guys? <laughs> so glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me back. Uh, why you guys have we? I've been uh, lucky enough to be uh, on a back channel text chat between you all, and uh, I, I'm very curious how your interests together over your past conversations have manifested our conversation today. Where would you like to start? Uh, I guess what stayed with me a lot from our last conversation was around just how much shame I see people carry around ADHD. Um, mm-hmm. Just the the pain of feeling like this is how I, this is who I am. This is the only way I'll ever be. There's, you know, all, all of that is just, I just see a lot of pain in clients as they uh, talk about it and work with it. Family members also. Um, and so I got interested in how does one move through acceptance of that? And uh, so I thought it might be interesting to apply some work from a uh, marriage and family therapist on the West Coast named Marty Cooper. She works a lot with anxiety and depression, and she talks about her kind of the stages of acceptance for, you know, serious depression. But they apply really well to ADHD, and I thought it'd be kind of a cool conversation with with you guys Mm -hmm. to bring that in. Yes, I'm really looking forward to this because, you know, acceptance, when I was on your show, that was one of the things that we certainly talked about where, you know, with coaching, there's these kind of three levels that I look at the the awareness of how ADHD affects the person. Uh, and then that second piece is the acceptance that it's ADHD. And those are the two pieces we have to work through before we get to that third piece, which is the systems and the structures that you put in place to help manage the ADHD. But the acceptance acceptance piece is tough and it's really hard to go into systems without shame if you haven't accepted the piece that this is ADHD. And uh, I think, you know, we're very uh, familiar, we're not very familiar, but I'm sure people have heard of the stages of grief, uh, the denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And when you would brought up the stages of acceptance, I was like, this is really interesting to me because I haven't explored this piece. Um, and so, yes, I think it's going to be a really good conversation to talk about those different points. And, uh, one of the things too, that I just want to point out when we were talking on your show is, that paradox, the change paradox, 
when we talked about it, you were saying it's it's kind of the more you try to be something you're not, the more you stay right where you are. And so I'm curious before we get into the stages of acceptance with your work, with your uh, podcast and the work that you do, this change paradox, like explain more about what that means. I don't maybe I didn't give it the right definition. I'm not sure. So tell me what what you think before we get into the acceptance piece. Change is a funny process, right? We're both in the mm-hmm. in this business of of change and what I've noticed over the years is that um the part we're most conscious of is the idea that uh, change comes from me recognizing a problem and defeating the problem, me applying my will along some track on the way toward a goal. And when I achieve the goal, then the change is, has been, is complete, right? It seems really yeah. linear, really conscious, really effortful, very much will-driven. And yet, right. if it were as simple as that... Um, I don't think we'd be finding that, you know, 90% of people who make New Year's resolutions can't even remember them in a couple of months, right? I'm making right. up that number, but but just as, no, yeah, as an idea yeah. that like mm-hmm. most of us <laughs> get by, you know, get to Wednesday of the same week that we'd made a New Year's resolution and it's already out the window because just will mm-hmm. alone doesn't seem to bring about change the way we always hope it will, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. always work quite like that. So I've been really interested in my career in, so what are the subtle dynamics? How does this work sometimes in ways that don't make as much sense? And a lot of psychotherapy... It's not such a conscious process. What somebody comes in to work on is often not what they end up finding they were really here to work on, for example. And they're all their effort in the world yeah. to defeat the thing about themselves they hate tends not to work. But often the change process on us, at least on the subtle level, the conscious stuff is still there. We're not ignoring it. Mm-hmm. We're just saying everybody knows about that part. What's the rest? That the, the subtler part often works more on a paradoxical level where exactly the opposite of what you think will happen is what happens. Or where, Mm -hmm. in effect, you have to bring together seemingly opposing ideas or energies. So you see that all the time in in the therapy world where, for example, um, the only way to dissipate a feeling you really don't like is to move toward it. The more I fight with my fear, the bigger it gets. This is panic, right? right? This is anxiety that got clamped down on and we froze our breath and we started to spin on, oh God, oh God, oh God, I got to make this better. This has to change. I have to change it now. I can't change it. I got to change it now. And boom, you're in a full-blown panic attack, just like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Depression often works the same way. It spirals as you fight more and more with it. And the more we move toward a feeling, strangely, paradoxically, the more often it evaporates right in front of us. It begins to change. But this turns out to be true in a lot of other ways. Kind of self-identity is often true. The more I accept myself as I am, the more free I am to change. That's a weird thing that mm-hmm. many of the greats have pointed out along the way. Well, and let me ask you about that. I mean, because I think on just to add to that, if you're accepting or like, okay, so my identity is this and I'm I'm okay with this and I don't want to change it and I I don't feel like I need to change it. Doesn't that give you kind of a sense of freedom too? Is like I can let go of some of these things that were holding me back before? Exactly. One more example of it, right? Okay. So what this show ends up being about, the change paradox, I got interested in whether this might be a principle that holds true in all areas of change, not just psychological, mm-hmm. um, not just coaching, but what about medical? 
What about sociological? How about political? Uh, does this tr- turn out to be true in spiritual areas? Uh, I'm just really interested in how often there is, uh, there's something profound held in the paradoxical element of change. So that's, that's where that came about. And what you and I were looking at when we talked last was, so how does change work when, um, when you're working with something that itself isn't going to go away? Right. So if ADHD is still right. going to be there on the other side of it, what's the change process there? And what part of me then yeah. changes if it's not the so-called disorder? And we talked about mindset. Yep. Yep. It's, yeah, it's, it's at least mindset, right? And there are other ways to look yeah. at it. So, um, I'd be interested in. So, what if we talked further today? And this is the idea about mm-hmm. these stages of acceptance and how far that can go. Because it mm-hmm. turns out there are kind of layers of that. Uh, and people may be in different stages of acceptance out there as they listen and not, not aware of what else is available to them. Now, is the stages of acceptance the same thing as the stages of grief in the sense that it's not linear? You can be going back and forth between, uh, reg, reg, uh, I'm sorry, resignation, denial, acceptance. Like, can you go back and forth between these things like you can with grief? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yep. All right. In fact, I think you have to. It's really much right. more a, a spiral than it is a line. You probably go back to all of them repeatedly many times, but each time from sort of a different level of awareness. All right. So where should we begin? So we'd start with just the idea that before we get to any level of acceptance, we're either in full on denial or we're just in not knowing. And mm-hmm. part of what's interesting to me about our, you know, the the journey inside, which absolutely applies to ADHD, is that sometimes we have it and we are furiously denying it. And sometimes we haven't the slightest idea that's what's been going on all this time. We've had other explanations. And for ADD, as you've taught me and we've talked about before, for a lot of people, it's I'm dumb or there's something wrong Mm -hmm. with me or I'll just never be good at that. Or there are all kinds of versions of not yet realizing, oh, this is a thing. This is what's happening, yeah, right? Yeah. And I'm a not whole alone. subset of conversations <laughs> of, of comparing yourself to <laughs> other people in Absolutely. all kinds of different oh, ways I'm... that can are ultimately damaging. Well, and just this morning, I was talking to a client who was uh, telling me how cathartic it was to speak to two other people who had ADHD, and they actually were talking about some of the, these things that they find themselves doing. One is like researching too much about apps and things like that. And she said, I don't know anything about that. Yeah. You don't know anything about that at all. Uh, (laughs) But it was interesting to hear her say how, um, how good that was for her to, to talk to other people that dealt with the same thing. Um, And they didn't know that they were all dealing with the same thing either. I guess that's my point is they didn't know that that was like, an ADHD symptom or characteristic. So, well, and, and you know what's been what's sort of lingering in the back of my mind is our conversation last week with um, Seth Nelson, uh, divorce attorney, which is that um, you know what he deals with when uh, assessing people who live with ADHD who are going through or injected into the legal system is again how do you help them to modify behavior signals so that they can adapt their own behavior to a system that does not acknowledge or accept ADHD or not like it does not care about your ADHD and so what does that coaching look like when you run into this wall of unacceptance 
and have to have to figure out like, oh my gosh, like I, I need to, when I go on the stand, I have to shut my mouth. After I give a, an answer, I have my brain's going to keep going. And as he said, I don't care if your brain keeps going. I love it. That's great. Just stop your mouth <laughs> at the end of the sentence that answers the question which I asked. That's what we what the coaching is like. And and I think that is such an, an interesting place when, you know, you have to slam headlong into culture uh, and and not just experience, you know, home and struggles and systems, those sorts of things. So that first stage of acceptance then is recognition. The first part is just where I see this and I feel terrible about it, uh, but I don't accept that this is here to stay. Um, I'm gonna, I see, okay, now I see what you're talking about. I, yeah, maybe, maybe I've got some ADHD symptoms, but I'm gonna fight this thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna win. Right. So mm-hmm. there's recognition, but there's really no there's no owning it yet. Any like anything else, I can conquer this beast. I can conquer this beast. I right? can slay the dragon. Yep, that's sort of, yeah. Well, and there's shame in that too, because I can hear people I mean, I can just think of several conversations that I've had where people will say, I should be able to do this. I can't believe I can't do this. So it's recognition of it, but then they're beating themselves up because of it. Be they're beating themselves up of something that they can't control um and that's that's a bad place to be too like yep. it's kind of yeah it, i don't know yep and help us with that in some ways that, that may be already at the second one at this first stage they may yeah. not even be ready to beat themselves up because it is so not them that they're ready to uh all they need is oh. is a quick they're gonna they're gonna fix this oh. it's this is the yeah, part because before we've even gotten to oh shit this is the oh well, I see what you mean, but I'm going to make some calls. Yeah. I'm going to take some supplements. Something's going to just make this stop. This is this is where recognition runs like into a, a conflicting self identity. Yes. Well, and I would see denial in there too, right? Like, or I, I mean, I could see maybe before even the recognition of. I can make this stop, but like, I don't believe you. I don't have ADHD. I don't have ADHD. Yeah. I don't believe you. I remember kids with ADHD in the sixth grade, and that wasn't me. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so, yeah, it's, it's still got flavors of denial. It's gotten just a right. little past the, this absolutely isn't happening. It's like, I can see what you mean, but um, mm-hmm. there's yeah. there's something mm-hmm. I can do about it. I'm sure I can do something mm-hmm. about this, and I'm going to beat it. That's what's going to happen. The second phase of acceptance, then, is resignation. Okay, I have tried for six months or six years or, you know, half my life to make this whole thing go away. Cause all I got, all I got to do is buckle down or I got to just take, you know, I just got to get more sleep and that will totally erase it. Right. Um, and then I'm suddenly realizing I can't beat it and I'm screwed. Mm-hmm. And at this point, like mm-hmm. I am no longer resisting it. Like in choices or behaviors, I'm just resisting it like crazy on my insides. This is where the mm-hmm. shame is just brutal because mm-hmm. we feel really right. helpless. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the part where um, that's the part where we see a lot of people who find us, for example, right. who find our community, because it seems like that's the stage where where people are start to ask, I, I need help out. Of, I need a rope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But but I think where what we hear over and over again is this story of 
um, you know, the bounce back between, you know, resignation, oh, God, I'm hopeless, to like, oh, wait a minute. No, that was just a fever dream. I'm okay. Like, the the thing that triggered all of my ADHD symptoms has passed. Maybe it was a big presentation at work or a big trip you were trying to travel for, or travel, uh, prepare for travel, and you botched plane tickets. But that's just a one-off thing. Don't worry about it. I don't really have ADHD. And so then you get the bungee kind of experience yep. bouncing up and down between denial and recognition is resignation. And my sense is you become sort of practiced at denying and recognizing and denying again and recognizing and and then resigning yourself to where it is. And at some point, there's got to be a trigger, right? There isn't there. What is it that that it pushes you through to acceptance. That's that's the gap that I I feel like we can live in those first sort of three areas for a long time and accept a lot of pain, but eventually we move through it. And and I, that's the part that I don't see as as consistently. Like everybody seems to have a different story of what it was that made them pick up the phone to ask for help. Yeah, I'm a big believer in. And really letting ourselves have our whole experience at every stage. Um, so when I'm sitting with somebody who's in kind of a place of resignation, as much as I can, uh, to a point, I really want to make sure they have had the full grief of I am f***ed for just a little bit. Yeah. Sorry for the language, but like Beep. that's what it feels like. <laughs> So, yeah, like, that's right. That's no, cause, but it's cause true. It's not, that's how you feel. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm in trouble. It feels worse than that. You feel really, really devastated by this is a serious problem. I'm seeing it here yeah. for here, the rest of here, my life. And it's never yeah. going away. And for just a little while, like, there's just enough truth to that that I think it's really, it honors the person to let them grieve for a little while. And, oh, mm-hmm. God. Oh, God, what am I going to do? If somebody can stay there, especially if they can stay in their bodies, like, so I work somatically a lot. I really help kind of guide people back into the sensations of like, where do I feel the total hopelessness in my physical self? And can I like maybe even put a hand there and breathe into that? And those are just the early parts of the gray sequence that we've talked about on your show before. Mm -hmm. But like Mm -hmm. just to kind of join my body for a little while and just breathe into that and be in the grief. And that might be five minutes. It might be five weeks. But I strongly encourage people to just be talking about it for a little bit of the time to just be like, this is really scary. Do, Do you find people surprised when you introduce them to the somatic experience of their grief, the the physical experience of emotional pain? Do Do you find them surprised when they actually notice, oh, God, something hurts? Yeah. And really surprised when they breathe and notice, wait, that's weird. It just changed. Um, yeah. Most of the time they're like, oh, <laughs> that's a weird little trick you just played on me. I paid attention to it yeah. and now I can't find it. That's kind of weird, but obviously it's still there. Yeah. And I just have to go, is it? Like, let's stay with yeah. that a minute. <laughs> yeah. Can right. you find right. it now? Where yeah. is it now? All right. Mm-hmm. Can you hear me now? All right. And if people get really attached to the ideas in this place of resignation, they don't, the feelings never really move through very well. And they get really fixated on, I am totally screwed, and here are all the ways my life's going to suck, and and no one's going to ever like me again, and no wonder I'm such a failure or something, right? They can really go into believing all of the, every thought they think. One of my favorite Mm -hmm. bumper stickers forever will be, don't believe everything you think. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if we can yeah. let the thoughts go by for a minute and just stay in, I feel scared or I feel sad or something, there comes a moment where something else shows up. If we just keep breathing, something else shows up and it might be a kind of curiosity. Might be anger. Like, mm-hmm. okay, how the f- is everyone else dealing with this? Apparently that's my word yeah. for today. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but like there's, there's so much like frustration around this. Like the folks I work with living with ADD, some of the time can just sort of wave it off. But when they really have to sit with what a big deal it turns out to be in their lives, sometimes they get mad. And they're like, okay, what yeah. is everyone doing about this? Yeah, I yeah. hear that a lot where people get very angry. I just, I'm, I'm so mad that I have this. I don't want this. I don't want just angry that they, that they have it. And, and something else I want to say real quick that, that when you said to kind of sit where you are, I remember when my daughter was diagnosed with ADHD earlier this year. One of the emotions that I felt really strongly at first was sadness. And I felt guilty about feeling sad because so much of my career is built on helping people see that this doesn't have to be sad, right? Mm -hmm. And it was really an emotion I struggled with because it's like I didn't want to feel that way. But yet that's how I felt. And I remember uh, talking to my husband about it and he immediately, you know, wanted to try to, to, change my perspective, you know, and well, but you know, you know, that this isn't going to be, you know, da, 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 or she's going to be fine. And I'm like, I know that I know that, but I just sad. Let me just be sad. Yes. Yes. You know, um, and it's such an important thing to be able to do as a therapist or a coach or a parent to be able to just get, let them be sad, let them be in resignation and not rush them to the next better stage of acceptance yet. To just be in, oh no, oh no, oh no, this is going to be hard. Or some of the time angry, it's not freaking fair. It's not fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not. Well, it, And it's not. It's I mean, not it's fair. not fair that my husband has MS either, right? I mean, when we look at all of the different things that can happen, um, not just ADHD, but any of these chronic illnesses and things that we live with, that we have to go through these same stages. And one of the things you were saying about your show is that we're, you know, you're looking at health and all of these other um, avenues. And I can tell you, we went through denial, anger, anger bargaining, depression, acceptance. And when I see embrace with acceptance, I, it's interesting because like, I struggle with that. I don't want to embrace his MS. I'm sure that there's a lot of people that don't want to embrace ADHD. So I'm really curious to hear what you have to say about the after acceptance, but I'm jumping the gun here. So let's go back to (laughs) resonation and acceptance. I know. I'm so sorry. It's it's, this brain. It's it's totally fine. (laughs) I mean, but that's, but let's just like pause for a second and notice how fast we want to do that. We want to get past where this is hard. Tell me me about the part where this feels good again, right? Right. As fast as possible. And what really sucks is for the folks who are living with this thing that's going to be here again tomorrow. And no matter what insight we give them today, which might feel freaking great, might change everything, Mm -hmm. kind of. They're still going to wake up the next day after that and be like, God, there it is again. Some of that's just true. You know what? That's. Yeah, right. A hundred percent. And that is how it manifests for me, too, because I have so many systems and so much of a scaffolding uh, around my life that that I count on. I can trick myself into thinking 
everything's fine. I got this. I'll go days and days and days and days. And even now, after being a co-host on an ADHD podcast for a decade, (laughs) I can still wake up in the morning and think, oh, yeah, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. I'm going to be great. And then just last week, I completely cratered, right? (laughs) Everything fell apart because it's of the house of cards that is my life. And one alarm goes, goes wonky and I'm gone. I'm gone for a full day and let everybody down and have to think, oh, that's right. That's not who I am. Mm. I'm a guy who has to rely on the house of cards and chew bubble gum and right. Well, it's like that. That's the gremlin, right? I was just talking to somebody about this yesterday and we were talking. She had actually disclosed some of her ADHD and some of the challenges with her uh, boss. And unfortunately, within just like a week's time, he he she missed well she didn't really miss anything he thought it was an attention issue but it wasn't she was doing the work she just didn't tell him that she was doing the work but here was this like trigger that was like oh i shouldn't have told him because now he thinks that anytime i don't talk to him it's an attention issue and we talked you know we had to talk through that like here's that little gremlin saying you shouldn't have done that you shouldn't have done that and you know, our conversation then led more into how do you fight that gremlin voice? You know, what what can you say to that gremlin? And, uh, but yes, it's very, it's, it, it can go back and forth so fast. You know, I have the freedom of disclosing this. I feel so good about it. And then now, bam. Oh God, I have to fear honesty now. Yeah. 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 And I think for a lot of people, the shame really is more related with the stigma of it than with the experience of it. So they're really mm-hmm. worried about mm-hmm. how if if this become like is now attached to how people know Dodge, let's say, um, does that mean every time I make a mistake, it's going to get blamed on that? Or every time I don't communicate mm-hmm. just right or every time I'm five minutes late is probably because I couldn't help it or it wasn't it couldn't possibly be actual traffic. You know, it, it, right, it, right. So, so right. Yeah, there's a lot there that goes with um, with living with it in any way, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So acceptance is the third stage then. And that's where we get to a place where we go, okay, I'm ADHD and I've had a big cry or I've had a, mm-hmm. a fit. I've let my anger move. I've let all the fear come and rise and peak and move through me. Now what? And this mm-hmm. is the place where if we've genuinely really worked a lot on the emotion piece of it and and have moved past that or have gotten better and better at letting a wave move through us quickly, we're less gripped by the emotional piece of it, right? We're less in resistance mm-hmm. or resentment or or sort of stuck in our emotional reaction. Uh, and we get open to responding. And so at this level of acceptance, then we get curious about what's available from here. Mm-hmm. So a lot of your mm-hmm. highest functioning um, clients and listeners out there have gotten to a place where they're like, eh, you know, I'm sort of over being having a fit about it. What I'm interested in is what systems work for me. In fact, that mm-hmm. can get kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. 
they find a new system and they get really Truly jazzed up. exhilarating. Yeah, it can be just yeah. thrilling yeah. to be like, oh, this really fixes it for me. As this long works. as I keep up with yeah. this system, I don't, you know, or they find a new med. And sometimes there's like a thrill. Sometimes I work with folks and they'll find finally just the med they've needed all this time. And they cry for a week that they mm-hmm. didn't have it when they oh, needed yeah. it before. That's the, that is, there is a huge a tendency for that, right? Which is the the waves of regret that come when you first say, you're telling me this has been here all along. You're telling me that this pill would help me close the window to the noise and you've had it and you didn't share it with me, world, right? What was the, what did I miss? What switch did I flip? Why did nobody pick up on it and tell me about this? This could have saved me 20 years, and especially right at the beginning when we're pretty sure the pill makes it, erases it completely, we're flipping now yeah. back and forth between three and one. We're like, see, I knew I didn't really have this because there was a permanent perfect yeah. solution that would make it completely go away. Why did right. no one tell me this? <laughs> right. And then we hit right. a new stage of grief where we're like, oh, it wears off at four o'clock. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Hello, five o'clock. It didn't actually teach me the skill. Like I focused better, but I didn't actually yeah. have the skill of whatever it might be. Right. right. Yeah. Right. So now yeah. maybe I've just got the the chaos of my old habits because they were, you know, long developed by now. Um, yeah. Before right. we move on, though, Dodge, I have a quick question about what Pete was saying about, you know, this, this, re- I don't know if it's regret or just this this anger there's you a know. lot of rage yeah, yeah rage towards like this past uh what could have been how do you how do you sit with somebody in that the way i do it um tends to be to direct them back into their body um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i'll listen for a little while uh and um i'll tend to mirror back to them and I do this kind of with any big feelings coming up, I'll just, I'll mirror back a little bit of what I'm hearing them say. And if their energy rises then to meet that and they find they want to go on, they naturally will. This is a lot of how mm-hmm. Ted Klontz would listen, right? Um, mm-hmm. He's going to say just a little bit back. So it's like, so you're just feeling really mad right now when you're realizing, holy cow, I could have had help with this sooner or really mad right now that... Um, that is just so unfair that you mm-hmm. got this and your sister didn't or something. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they might go, yeah, I am. And blah, 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 and a whole bunch more. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and eventually they'll get to a place where you say that part back to them and then the next part back to them. And then there's like this uh, moment where they sit back a little in their chair or the energy falls and they go quiet. And about then I would just be like, can I ask you a weird question if they haven't heard me ask this before? Most of them have by now. Can you tell me where you feel that in your body? And they're like, huh? And so I'd say, like, if you and I could switch bodies, what would I notice in there first? Oh, my chest is super tight. Mm-hmm. That's probably good. Do you mind just putting a hand there and just being mm-hmm. as kind as you can to that part of your chest that has to hold all this anger mm-hmm. for you today? And then breathe. And so if somebody will lean into longer exhales than inhales and just put their hand where they're feeling it in their body, it starts to move. And the rest of the grace Mm -hmm. sequence gives them more to go on and 
you know, they can go find that workshop in your catalog right. or we'll yeah. figure out something. But but just there is a really nice beginning for getting reconnected to their bodies. Because otherwise what they'll want to do is they start to just chase their thoughts and all the stories about it. And yeah. they, they, as soon as the, the wave would peak and fall, they just whip themselves right back up into feeling awful again, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If somebody is really working with anger and they're finding it's pretty chronic, like there's just a lot of anger in their lives uh, right now, or it's not just kind of naturally wanting to subside and get curious about, so what could I do with this instead? Right? They're still mm-hmm. kind of in that resignation. There's a there's a cool technique for just moving anger in a physical way. And it, mm-hmm. it kind of goes like this. You stand with your feet a good shoulder width apart or a little wider, you um, you get a hold of something like half a pool noodle or a rolled up newspaper or something soft. Um, mm-hmm. And you go stand at the edge of maybe a kitchen counter or back behind a chair or something where you've got a good hard surface that you can whack with this thing. <laughs> oh, okay? yeah. And you pick a big breath in and you, you draw that thing back with both hands above your head like a samurai would. Right. And then you follow through down and you hit the end of that on whatever's in front of you. So there's a nice strong pop and you yell ha really loud, just like that and follow through. So it comes all the way down, like to the floor between your legs. Another big breath in up over your head like a samurai. And then wham, hit that as hard as you can. Now, you want to do this in a way where you're not injuring any property, where you're not destroying <laughs> you're your house. Into a person. Right. Yes. So, and you, what about even, those rooms? Like, could those rooms where you can just wreck things? That might be fun, too. Like, yep. You can go I know. actually I beat mean, the hell out of something. Yeah. Yeah, because they're letting you take the dishes and throw them against the wall. And, like, it's a... It's, I don't know what they're called, but my daughter and I both are like, that would be so fun. Yeah, but I can see where that like that physical movement, right, is letting that go from your body. Yep. And I think this is probably useful when people yeah. hit an emotional storm or where they hit that like yeah. that place where their their brain has started to swim. They've run into a yeah. problem. Yeah. Their brain started to, you know, spin out. They too many things coming at once and they really need that all they feel is just that massive energetic agitation mm, in the body. Yeah. This yeah. is it's awesome. I mean it's the same thing you we learned about a, a method to interrupt like obsessive thought spirals, mm-hmm. uh, obsessive thought patterns uh, by just, you know, when you feel one coming on, yell, stop, wherever you are, just start yelling, stop. Uh, mm-hmm. Because, and my understanding is because the act of like creating another sense is interruptive. So by mm-hmm. hearing your own mm-hmm. voice, not just telling yourself, stop, 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 stop. You yeah. have to actually right. hear it yeah. uh, to actually interrupt that mechanism that's that's what it feels like to me like you're doing something so violent that it interrupts the the space it mm-hmm. interrupts where you are well and we got a boxing bag for my son and i mean i i love pounding on that thing sometimes it's just fun <laughs> absolutely <laughs> feels good but yeah it gets yep. that yeah. energy out yeah and all three of them in- involve lots of exhales long exhales mm-hmm. right. right or stop mm-hmm. right yeah all those yeah mm-hmm. that's different from how we normally breathe when we are retaining feeling which is short and yeah. shallow and up in the chest yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you do that ha several times, you'll probably find you go six, seven, eight, ten times, maybe twelve, and then you're gonna just feel weirdly done. 
Yeah, I don't know why it happens. It happens every time. You just kind of get to this place where you're like, yep, that's enough. And what I encourage everybody to do is then stop and put the whatever down there they were holding, the noodle or something, and just notice how do your hands feel? Notice that they are alive with chi, like huge amount of energy gets released and they will feel their whole, their limbs and everything just buzz with energy. And they'll notice also usually a sense of like, I am emotionally calmer and my body feels wild with energy um, instead of the other way around. I don't remember where we were in the list. So we got into acceptance. (laughs) Yeah, and then we went back. Acceptance. Right, because this is the process. So acceptance was just that part where we start, this is where we start to learn strategies from people like Nikki and Pete. Mm All right, Mm -hmm. so. Start looking at opportunities. What are my available, what, what systems are out there? How well do these meds really work? Are there ones I should mm-hmm. steer away from? And the, it's, there's kind of an openness to responding. There's claim, there's kind of a claiming of some agency to adapt. Mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. so full of feeling fighting with this thing that I can't at least do something with it if I can't do something t- to erase it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a whole lot of people would, would stop there because that normally would be a pretty, solid success story they found their systems they're not feeling too much about it it f-ing sucks but whatever they're kind of over yelling at it um there's nothing good about this there's nothing really bad about this it just is it's just how things are so here are my mm-hmm. systems yeah. and i kind of live with it that seems great and then we've then we've fixed adhd and depression it sounds like <laughs> <laughs> and anxiety and anxiety wow yeah and ms We're don't forget brilliant yeah <laughs> what's next Climate change? <laughs> Climate change, yes. Just got to accept it and deal with it. Um, right. That The way you said that, though, implied that there might be uh, something further. Yeah. Yeah, the fourth one is to actually embrace it. And this is where things get hard. Yeah. And this is where often people oh, find this themselves... This is where things get hard. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I've already finished beating the crap out of my kitchen counter, but right. this is where things get hard. <laughs> yeah. It's hard It's hard all the way along, and it's doable yeah. all the way along. Um, right. So this was just right. one more stage of, you got to be kidding me. I can't get past acceptance. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. as good as it's going to get. F*** off for encouraging <laughs> me to actually like that I have this. Right? Right, yeah. right. Yeah. So... Well, that's a good point, though. Acceptance and likeness aren't ne- that's not the same yeah. thing. This is past right. that. Yeah. This is yeah. hard. It's, this is weird. And there'll be folks out there that I think are even angry that I suggest this is possible. Um, mm-hmm. And I would encourage mm-hmm. them just to get really curious about that. Get, yeah. get mm-hmm. to watching that piece. So let me tell you what this isn't before I tell you what it is. This is not some Pollyanna white knuckling. Um, false positivity where you say this is great i've always wanted this everyone should have ADD. <laughs> this is awesome right <laughs> you know you're missing out you're yeah, missing right. out this is great i love every bit of it it's not that it's not even a little of that um this is a place though where you say i accept this i see this and i accept this and i'm open to owning it and working on it um but i'm also curious as to what gifts it might bring and what it might be here to teach me. You can start to get curious about, is there anything about this I might be willing to be at least kind toward? Mm-hmm. If not, well, curious about, I might stretch for sometimes once in a while grateful for or mm-hmm. thoroughly amused by. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'd have mm-hmm. that all the time. 
Mm-hmm. That's a yeah. huge part of embracing it, though. A lot of people yeah. never get to this is funny. I wonder. I, I wonder yeah. if there is a. I, I sometimes think about this, and I want because I don't. I don't really know how I would know if I've embraced it. But one of the triggers that I sometimes find, especially when I go into, you know, preparing for a show, right, where, you, you know, it's my responsibility any given week to to come up with a rundown for the show and figure out what we're going to talk about, and I, and I feel a certain bit of elation that I have lived through something enough to feel ready to teach it to talk about it mm-hmm. to the point where we're sharing it with others. Yeah. And and that has always read to me like potentially an embrace, right? When you have people with ADHD, we have them in our community. These are just wonderful people who have lived with ADHD for so long, they decide, you know what? I think I'm ready to be a coach now. I'd like to go mm-hmm. get my coaching certification and help other people. That mm-hmm. kind of feels like, it, it doesn't mean I don't have days where I'm miserable about some behavior or some missed appointment or something, but it also is already integrated into my self-perception, my identity. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Am I just spouting words? No, you're doing great. No, that's a perfect example. Yep. One of the things I've lived with my whole life is pretty severe depression. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's not constant, thank God. But um, sooner or later, most every year, oh, there you are again. Hello, my mm-hmm. old friend. There you are again. Come on in. I'll take mm-hmm. good care of you, as Thich Nhat Hanh would say. That's my best mm-hmm. response. Sometimes it's every version of swear word I can find for how could you be here again and you know there can be a lot of Mm -hmm. despair and there's every time I have to go through some kind of recognition and resignation a bit of acceptance what can I do with this and I do best if I can get all the way to embracing it but over on the whole depression has brought me some really interesting things that I wouldn't have had without it um for one thing, it is an ego-shattering kind of experience. It beats the hell out of um, yeah. the what of me yeah. in a huge hurry, and I have to live in the who of me. For another, it's taught me a whole lot about um, pain and how much pain is in the world and has made me an immensely more compassionate person, which is what I would want to be anyway. Um, mm-hmm. For another, it's really made me a whole lot better at my job. Um, even when mm-hmm. I'm in a full-on depressive episode, I do some of my very best work because I can really be present with other people's pain and not just try and snap them out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's given me a lot of my life's work, really. Uh, as one example, I think, mm-hmm. you know, um, another piece to look at here is that uh, m- one of my great teachers definitions of mental health was the tolerance and hardiness for mixed contradictory feeling. So the tolerance and hardiness for mixed contradictory feeling, that ability to feel more than one thing at a time about Mm -hmm. any given thing or person makes us sane. When we can only feel one of them, we're a little bit crazy. So if I can only feel love or anger at a given, any given moment, I can't love anyone I'm angry at. It's gone. Or mm-hmm. I can't ever be angry at somebody I love, which is crazy. Those are both crazy. Right. But to love somebody and be mad at them sometimes, that's sane. So the right. mixed contradictory feeling here would be around ADD. Sometimes this is really painful. And I can also recognize that with it can come immense creativity, can mm-hmm. become come the both and brain, which I'd love to talk more about can come Mm -hmm. um, enormous intuition, which is really cool, and we can talk about that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I can feel both of these at the same time. And that gives me some room to embrace something that I also hate some of the time. I mean, I'm just thinking, I remember doing a, um, a coaching group. This was several years ago. And one of the questions or one of the sessions that we did at the very end were, were like your strengths. Like, what are you, um, what do you feel like you're good at? What do you feel like you have a talent for or whatever it was? And it, it surprised me, but it made sense how many of them said that they felt compassionate and had a lot of, a great deal of empathy and really cared about people who weren't beated, who weren't being treated equally. Mm. And, you know, and it, it all makes sense because they may themselves have felt like they weren't treated equally or they have felt these things in their life and they just have a great deal of compassion for others. And, yeah. and that I think is something that you can come back and say, okay, this piece of my brain has helped me feel that way, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, it does. That's an interesting, I like that. Most ADHD people I know are exquisitely sensitive. Mm -hmm. They're often moving so fast they don't pause to notice that. In fact, sometimes it is a reaction to their sensitivity or their pain that makes them want to bounce to Mm -hmm. anything else but what they were just thinking and feeling right then. And so it can can fuel it a little bit. But the sensitivity is so lovely. Uh, There there can be such compassion. Um, Mm And I think one place people might look if they're figuring out, okay, so what in the hell could I possibly embrace about this? Um, We could go back to that subject you and I talked about, and then in the afterthoughts, Pete and I talked about some, which is one way to look at, you know, two different basic categories of brains as either an either-or brain or a both-and brain. They both have got real gifts to them. And they both have got real liabilities, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or at least real challenges. So mm-hmm. the either-or brain is kind of that farmer's brain, really good at, you know, sequential task and a lot of executive functioning and a lot of um, blocking out what isn't relevant to right now because I'm focused on the one priority I'm clear about. It's either this mm-hmm. priority or it's a different priority, but they don't mesh. They don't mash together. I don't get confused, and that's really handy. Um. The both-and brain is one that is fantastic at synthesis. You can pay attention to more than one thing at a time. You can even figure out how those two things go together when no one else in the room can. Um, So it leads to a kind of creativity that's really interesting or a kind of intuition that is often unavailable to either-or brains. Mm -hmm. Um, I have, I would have to say, much more a both-and brain than an either-or brain. Um... And so I am definitely in the spectrum of ADHD somewhere, partly because Mm -hmm. of the systems I have in place and also because of what sort of profession that led me to. Um, Mm -hmm. It's turned out to be a gift and doesn't show up in super chaotic ways like it will for somebody else. If I were an accountant, I would be in chaos all the time. Because that's not Mm -hmm. interesting to me. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. one of the beautiful things about an ADD brain is the capacity to hyper-focus on things that that really, um, that are interesting to you, that you deeply value, right? Things that are stimulating to you are things you are extra good at often. And I find people freaking fascinating. My brain turns on around feeling. 
So I get real quiet inside when somebody else is talking about trauma. And my yeah. life in, as a psychologist is is pretty structured one hour at a time. And all I got to do is deal with the person right in front of me and I'm good. Um, so in some ways, that's one more reason, you know, for me to embrace that both and brain. It makes me really creative in the work I do. And it's pushed me into a profession where I think I'm doing a lot of good, where I probably wouldn't have um, in the same way, where I were to go use some of my other skills but be able to focus on lots of legal documents or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, Relevant comparison. Fascinating. Yeah. Is this making sense? Well, well, and I just have to say something from our guest last last week. Um, what, what was so fascinating is he, um, Seth Nelson, is exactly where he should be. Right when yeah. you when you listen to him talk about the law and and the linear thinking and knowing that he is a good linear thinker, it was it, it's just it's so I think. Um, inspiring because I know I'm in a position that I love and I feel like I was meant for. And it's always so nice to hear other people and, and hear them talk about what they do and have that passion. And you can just tell that that's exactly where they should be. You know, it's, it's exciting. It's really lovely. Well, Mm -hmm. and, and I also know that our listeners, our ADHD audience is now saying I'm ready to either or my next podcast because we are going a little bit long and I hope that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I do just once again, every conversation that we have with you feels like a cliffhanger. uh, Mm -hmm. And I have been taking notes, a list of things that we need to talk about next time. Uh, Dodge, thank you. There's such so good much. little nuggets. Like yeah, I want to read so the transcript and pull that yeah. out and say, okay, we need to talk about this now. <laughs> yeah, right. It really is delightful. Yeah. Uh, where yeah, do you want to send great. people to learn more about you, Dodge? Oh, um, well, you probably could explain better than I could about where to <laughs> um, send them for the, the change paradox would be the best place to go look. Um, our, the website also for the Lotus Center in Nashville is uh, still in the works because we've just made a big move to Midtown. Um, so as our team changes and all of that stuff, our website's a bit of a mess. But to just to hear the kinds of things I'm interested in, the kind of work you and I are doing, Pete, together on uh, the change paradox would be a great place to to go check us out i'll put a link Mm -hmm. in the show notes but the show is available everywhere you can find podcasts yes that's all over the place it's also available at truestory.fm slash the change paradox uh would love you to check it out and subscribe i do you've dropped a couple of names excuse me while i pick these up uh so i'll put direct links to uh the ted klontz conversation that we had in there and um uh we'll make make sure that that any of those relevant episodes are in the show notes for this show. Um, Our great show, stuff. the show yeah, that I was a guest. And the link that you and, and Nikki did. Hello, that's right, yes. of course. <laughs> uh, that's going to be in there too. You got to check that out. Uh, and the Grace Sequence Workshop. We'll put a link to that in there too. So uh, thank you everybody for downloading and listening to this show. We sure appreciate your time and your attention. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer and Dodge Ray, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next time right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. Mm-hmm.